Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Good morning. On today's show, we have with us Dr. Parveen Jaglin and Dr. Nathan Kaiser. I'm going to talk with us a little bit about trends in um, their areas of healthcare. So, uh, Dr. Kaiser, would you mind telling us a little bit about what you're seeing in your um, at the Carrick Institute? Sure. Um, so I work in clinical neurology, and we work in a non-pharmaceutical, non-surgical approach to uh, to mostly brain injuries, um, whether that be from uh, like a concussion or a car accident, or even something like a stroke. And um, we see people that have persistent injury that don't necessarily um, accommodate well to other types of treatment, and they come and spend some time with us. And um, and and we've had some really good results around that, and have gained a little bit of of uh, of a pretty good sized market share doing that. So it's pretty cool. And and so what would you say your market share actually is? So we see, as far as who we see or how bit large it is? Both. Okay, great. So we see um, largely people that are resistant to, to current treatment. And when you look at concussion or traumatic brain injury, that largely centers around rest, which is not such an active, uh, an active protocol. So we get people after they've had a in- head injury, and we look at the areas that don't work so well. Usually when you, when you see someone that has a hit to the head, whether it's sport or a car accident or whatever it is, you get a CT scan, you get an MRI, and those largely come back clean. And if they do, there's the then what scenario, and that's really when they come see us, when they still have symptoms, when they still have the headache or the fog or pain or light sensitivity like we're going to talk about today. Um, at that point is when they come see us. They spend some time doing some, some inpatient things with us. And then um, we, we send them back, and we've been very successful at doing that. So it's, it's really great. So are there any trends that you're seeing around um, brain injuries that you think are really important for people to know about? Well, they're just growing like crazy, and we're not really sure why. Um, you know, people think about back when they played sports, and you get your bell rung and, and those sorts of things. You just kind of, you know, can you see my fingers, and everything's cool. And now we're seeing just this huge rise in people that are having these really persistent injuries. I mean, you're talking about a lot of kids that are playing, you know, middle school, high school sports and uh, are having huge injuries where they're, you know, they're spending, before they come to see us, oftentimes years sitting in a dark, quiet room. You know, they can't even watch TV, can't listen to the radio. Um, it's just all too much. So the the nature of the injury has changed. And I'm not I'll be the first to say we don't really know why, but we're just trying to, to scramble and do things for them and make that a better life for them afterwards. So in terms of your patient population, what percentage of your patient population are, are, are juveniles or children? Off the top of my head, I would say it's probably a little more than half. Um, a lot of high school and college-age kids um, had injuries in high school or college, and a lot of times it takes a couple years to find us. It's a, we have a relatively... Um, small footprint. Uh, we've we've mostly worked in that in that area. It's not necessarily something that's in every hospital. You know, people fly from all over the world to see us on any on any given day. We're based here in Atlanta, but on any given day, the people that we see, ninety five or more percent are are from somewhere else in the world. Whether whether it be from Europe or China or you know Canada or or, or domestically. Mm-hmm. So, just for the benefit of listeners who may not be familiar with you, what what is your footprint? What is your footprint? So do you just have the one clinical office here in Atlanta? So right now, our, our, we have one clinical office in Atlanta, and then we have one clinical office in Dallas, and then we have a huge teaching component where we have 28 extension facilities. 
um, around the world, and we teach about 15,000 doctors how to do the things that we're doing in a, non, a non-surgical, non-pharmaceutical setting. Um, so it's largely a rehabilitative type of a setting, and um, so we spend a lot of time doing that. And so that's, that's been our growth. So we were able to, to touch more areas of the world by teaching other people how to do it. Mm. And when, so for some folks, you're saying that it may take years for them to realize that their, their symptoms are persistent and, and to find you. So what are some of the things that would let people know that, it, that you know, this is a persistent yeah. Well, usually, it, you know, the people suffer with the symptoms straight away. Um, usually within a couple of weeks, people will start to experience the symptoms and they either, people will either adapt to them, so they feel a little better, but, you know, mostly because the system adapts or they maintain that. Um, largely, the, the, probably the biggest problem we have right now is people just don't know where to find us. We have, you know, at any given time, we're usually a six to eight week waiting list to come see us um, because, you know, People flood in, but then there's still so many more. You know, we're such a concentric area that um, you know we're servicing the whole world, which is which is just not enough at this mm-hmm, point. Mm-hmm. And um, as you think about not the the juveniles who are getting injured in in let's say team sports and at school or in college, but the adults, um, where are their brain injured? Most of their brain injuries coming from? You mentioned stroke, but is it car accidents or uh, professional professional yeah. um, athletes? Yeah, so we see, I mean, we've gained quite a bit of popularity seeing professional athletes and, um, and you know, people that are a little bit more um, you know, high visibility, and which has been great for us. Um, but we see a lot of people that have, you know, they grew up in a normal life and then now are having car accidents or as they get a little older, they, you know, they have, you know, these migraine events or, or stroke type of events or um, different types of dizziness and vertigo, things that are just kind of part of the game as we get older. Also, you know, viruses, bacteria, you get sick, you take a trip and get bit by something somewhere, your brain swells a little bit and you're left with the injury that's, that's kind of persistent after that. Mm. And so what sports do you, are you finding are the most dangerous in terms of professional athletes? Hmm. Well, the most dangerous, <laughs> anything, anything that people hit their heads. I mean, the NFL right now has a lot going on with, with, some, with some of their policy and figuring out how to, how to help people with that. Uh, unfortunately, there's, there's minimal amount uh, helmet can do to prevent a concussion. Concussion happens inside, so the blunt force is, is one thing, so we can prevent them from cracking their skull, which is r- a really good thing. But um, as, far as, as far as the injury <laughs> inside, yeah, um, th- you know, the helmet doesn't quite cut it. And then obviously, hockey is a very big one. Um, women's hockey is a very big one, and um, um, soccer is also a very big one, especially for for youth. Women's soccer is really the highest the highest level of concussion occurrence. What about like boxing and other boxing, mixed martial arts? Those are those are big ones for sure. And mm-hmm. we've um, we've been able to to work with some of them, which has been a very good thing. But um, yeah, any kind of pugilistic sport, anything where people are getting hit in the head, there's potential for injury. And then that's not so good. Right. And one thing that I'm very curious about with regards to healthcare is how is the um, the Affordable Care Act affecting your practice? Because I know it affects different specialties differently. For sure. For sure. Um so we have a little bit of an interesting ball game for that um, because we, we don't take insurance. Ours is a, a cash model. Mm. Um, and to do that, we, have, you know, we, we take pretty good care to make sure that we can, we can help someone without financially burdening them. So it's very important for us to not be able to turn people away. We've got a charitable organization that's been built around that um, that allows us, to see, you know, allows us to see kids that are qualified for it, which is really good. And, um, but yeah, so we, we've kind of strategically avoided that because we don't want 
our service to be limited by the things that are billable. So it allows us to have some freedom to be able to do exactly what we need to do for people without having to worry about, you know, is the patient going to incur a lot more cost for that? It's just all inclusive. So it's a, it's a novel approach, but it's one that's worked very well for us. Great. And, and Dr. Jaglin, tell us a little bit about your, your industry. What are you seeing in terms of trends that are really important for uh, the market to, to know about? Um, most of all, I think the trends that we're seeing is um, prevention and wellness. Um, a lot of insurance companies and just even corporates are encouraging their um, employees to work on the wellness side and the prevention side. And a lot of insurance companies now even are giving bonuses and points. So if you're going to walk X miles, a lot of, I know f one of the insurance company um, gives Fitbits to all their um, members. And if you have walked X amount, you create some X amount of points and that when those points then convert into either some sort of a savings on your health plan or gift certificate. So it encourages people to go out there and work. So I think the major trend I'm seeing in just healthcare in general and even in our industry is what can we do to prevent? Um, and I think even on, on the Affordable Health Care Act, the big picture is, you know, let's concentrate a little bit more on the prevention end of it so we're not paying for diseases on the long-term end of it at the very end. Great. And... In terms of both your um, optometry practice, sorry, <laughs> and um, blue light eye protection, which I know is the, the medical technology that you developed out of being an optometrist, um, how is this prevention, this move towards prevention and kind of getting ahead of um, this disease and dysfunction, um, how is that affecting your practice? Sure. So, you know, now the major in probably about seven, last seven, eight years, um, computers have infiltrated every aspect of our life. And it's not just the corporate um, patient that is in front of the computer. It's the five-year-old. Mm -hmm. It's the seven-year-old. It's the 10-year-old. It's the 70-year-old. Do you know about on average, you know, how how much time the average American spends on their computer? Um, about six hours, and that's increasing about 35 to 40 minutes a day wow. um, every year, which is pretty significant. And mm -hmm. we're six. And also what's happened is that with these mobile devices, it's not just the desktop. You know, when I grew up, um, I don't even know if I grew up. I'm dating myself, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. I don't think we're, I grew we're up. All, we're all adults here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the mobile device now is the fact that, um, you know, everything is becoming handheld. So we are bringing this stuff a lot closer to our eyes. We are we're using iPads and the smartphones and these mobile devices, not something that we use when we get to work. They're following us in our cars to um, road trips to everywhere we go. Let's so be honest. How many people actually have their cell phone in their bedroom when they sleep at night? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 You know? yep. That's absolutely. It's the alarm clock. It's everything. And, right. and, and, we're, and then these social media has made us even more in, you know, candy crush games and, thi and things of that sort is getting us more and more addicted to these digital devices. So we're not using them just for functioning for work or checking our email and so forth. We're really just connecting to the world this way. You know, nobody's picking up and calling their friends anymore. They just Facebook them and say, hey, how are you? And you want to go do lunch. So I think it's just becoming 
every aspect of our life and we have to think the long term of what is this going to do to our eyes and this is kind of the reason that I decided to invent it is you know my husband's a retina specialist and he deals with macular degeneration and it's a number one cause of central blindness in the country and so I see these patients 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years before they get to that level. So it only made sense that I work on something on the prevention end of it. And that's really what motivated me to develop something because, you know, I see this being, it. we're not going to get away from this stuff. It's going to become more and more and more, you know, menus are going to be, you know, are already becoming iPads. Mm -hmm. And so every aspect of just paper is going to be some sort of a computer tablet. And so it's, I think it's important to think about what that does to our eyes because it's the first time in our history we are staring into light that many hours a day. Mm. Mm. And for those people who may not know, because I, I imagine most of our CEO listeners are, are those people who are spending 20 hours right. a, a day on the computer but don't know mm -hmm. that this is having a damaging effect on their on their vision. What what does happen to somebody who looks at a computer for, you know, 16, 10, whatever hours a day over long, long periods. What happens? Sure. Um, so all digital devices now have gone backlit LED. And as we know, LED is a very intense, high-energy light source. So what LED does is it emits a high-energy wavelength, uh, which we call blue light, which is in the visible spectrum, from 400 to 500 nanometers. And there's a very large spike in the blue spectrum from these digital devices. And what that does is that it causes oxidative damage to the back of our eye. In English, what does that mean? Right, so basically it's breaking down cells <laughs> okay. that cannot regenerate. And the long-term effect of that is that it, would, it could lead to macular degeneration. Now, there's no long-term studies on this because, A, this is a new phenomenon. As you know, it's been only, it hasn't been that long where back LED lights have gone into computer devices and we've gotten this influx where everybody's been using it. Cause when I grew up, there were those CRT type of computers. It was a black screen with a green little, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, icons on there. And so now they're brighter and brighter. And, um, and so that's one aspect of it. The second aspect of it is that we are looking into a light and light can play a big role on, um, causing headaches and eye strains. And now we're also accommodating. So we're looking close up for seven, eight hours a day. Kids are not playing outside as much as they used to. And so what that does is it causes digital eye strain because your eyes are constantly accommodating. What it means is focusing up close. So the way a human eye works is that when you look far away, it's relaxed. When you do close up work is the only time the eye actually is working. Because traditionally, human beings are supposed to be hunters and farmers. You know, we're supposed to be outdoors doing things. And now we're spending all that time indoors. And, and so there's a lot of host of things. So long term, um, we believe, based on some of the independent studies, that this could lead to macular degeneration. Um, short term, it's over accommodating. Some lights can trigger, as Dr. Kaiser knows, is can trigger headaches for many people because they view these lights as flicker. So 10% of the population, it can trigger a migraine, just like the old fluorescent lights would trigger migraines. And it's very intuitive to take some of these lights and, and bring the brightness down. And when you bring the brightness down, you think that you're helping yourself. And for some population, you are. But the others, it makes it actually worse because the more you decrease the brightness, 
LED devices work on a pulse width modulation, so they are actually turning on and off, so you're really just pulsing that light up and down, which can cause for some people a flicker phenomenon, which triggers a migraine. Mm. And, and Dr. Kaiser, in your work, what are you seeing with regard to... Yeah, um, so what, what Parveen's talking about with that accommodation is something a lot of people don't think about, but when your eyes move closer together, if you look at something close, it it mimics the same reflex as though your body is traveling. So as though I'm in a car or I'm walking towards something. When you have people with head injuries, the area of the brain that gets injured is the middle part, kind of the oldest part of the brain. Kind of we talk about like the thing everybody else on the planet has, right? So it's the stuff that is involved with balance and vision and, and knowing where you are in space. And when you have accommodation in a spasm where it's all the time, so accommodation is, is when you're... When you take your eyes and move them close together, right? So if you mm -hmm. look at something close, your like eyes kind of cross. Go cross-eyed? Yeah, yeah, essentially. So yeah. if you have those eyes cross, it triggers the same areas of your brain that would perceive as though you're moving. So a lot of people that have head injuries feel that, you know, they can't ride in a car. They feel like they're moving. They get sick trying to read in the car or trying to do anything that involves that moving. So not only are we looking at things that are close, but we're getting a light response. And then for those people, it's just dastardly. So that's really where we've we've found um, the BLEP lenses to be magic for people. And then the same, it goes without saying, people with light sensitivities, um, you know, get those that same group are people that just can't handle a big light response, whether it be from, you know, lighting in the room or even the sun. We've actually taken her technology a step farther, and we give them to people to wear all the time, um, not just in front of the screen. We just give them to them to wear to, to dampen down the overall light quantity that they're feeling and it's been a it's been a really good thing for us okay so tell us a little bit more okay so we now know okay the big thing that you're seeing is that we're spending you know 20 hours mm -hmm. however many a day on the computer and <laughs> it could be potentially damaging <laughs> our eyes but um tell us a little bit about the technology that you've developed to to help with that sure um so once i did the research and figured out where this blue light is being admitted from these digital devices at what nanometers and then studying the blue light outdoors studying where um what also happens is that the blue light is what controls our circadian rhythm cycle so what that is what decides us getting up and us going to sleep which was traditionally regulated by the sun and so there's a rise in insomnia um, and there's a rise in insomnia among teenagers because everybody is on digital devices before they go to bed. So basically, essentially, when the sun went down, your body started preparing for you to go to sleep. You know, it took a few hours. Your body started, um, you know, regulating and saying, OK, X amount of hours after the sun, the blue light is diminished your body's going to ready to go to sleep. Well, well, now what we're doing is we're taking this blue light and blasting it in our face right in bed. And so that for some people, just like any other hormones, some people can be on digital devices all the time. It doesn't affect their sleep. And that's just like any other hormone. Some, some people have a lot of it. Some people are on that fence where it doesn't take a lot of blue light to just throw them over the edge and they could just be on it for about a half hour before they go to bed and it affects their circadian rhythm cycle and they can't fall asleep. And so we looked at that. We looked at where the contrast sensitivity is um, for humans. And so I thought about all the different aspects. So we are the first and only broad spectrum blue light coating in the market. And what that means is that there's a, some other blue light coatings out there, but they're a very narrow spectrum and they don't cover all the different aspects that blue light affects 
the human eye and the human body. And so not only, um, so 450 nanometers is where blue light emission peaks from digital devices. Well, that's exactly where we target. So our peak reflections at 450 nanometers. The back of the eye, there's what we call macular pigment density, and that's sort of the defense system to prevent macular degeneration. Well, that peaks at 460 nanometers. We also have the largest amount of reflection in that category. And we also try to keep the circadian rhythm intact. So this way, we're also affecting the areas where melatonin is not going to get affected. So our n advice is always just get away from digital devices an hour or two before you go to bed. My glasses help. They help a lot. But there's nothing better than just giving yourself some relief before you go to bed. Okay. You know, so we tell our kids we don't allow digital devices in bedrooms, period. We try to shut everything down about an hour before we go to bed. But if you can't, sometimes, you know, you have, I have a high schooler now. And so sometimes they have homeworks and they have projects for a really long time. And they have to do studying till X hours. And all their studying, unfortunately, is on computers and laptops these days. And they're doing research and so forth. So my daughter doesn't need any prescription, but she wears glasses without any prescription in them to just help keep that levels intact. And she, you know, when I first told her she had to wear them, she'd roll her eyes like a teenager would, like, really, mom? Like, I had to put these on? <laughs> and now <laughs> she puts them on herself. And I'm like, do you like wearing them? She's like, you know, it makes me feel really comfortable. And somebody else put it, it's like, it makes it almost like you're reading a book. Mm -hmm. And um, so visually what you're seeing is that you're seeing it in, in a lot more comfortable state. And so it feels like you're reading a book versus reading something on a bright, bright digital device. Mm -hmm. So just for clarity, so that people mm -hmm. know that technology is implemented through a lens, a coating on a, on a lens that people wear as glasses. Correct. So it's the, um, a lot of questions I get is, well, can I take my glasses and you put this coating on there? It doesn't quite work like that. So it works on the manufacturer end of it. So you, when you order your lenses, you order it with the coating. So right now, BLEP, which is this um, company, we only have them in readily available pair of glasses because we have them already readily made. They come with frame, the lens, with the coating. So they come in Plano, which means without any prescription for people who don't really need anything, to ha any magnifications or any power to help them see. And they come in plus reading powers because after you turn 40 <laughs> plus, we all need some help in that accommodation because our eyes aren't don't you know they don't work as well which is called presbyopia so as we get older and older every year we That's just need more and more magnification to help us and then we also offer them in in a kids frame line and we're the only company that offers them in a kids frame line with a coating that reflects um, blue light so we have them in plano plus 50 plus 75 for children and then we all obviously have men and women all the way up to a plus three power so if somebody wanted to just, uh, you know, grab a pair of, let's say, readers, they could potentially use their contact lenses and then just Correct. put your, yes. your glasses over them or something like that? I'm a contact lens wearer, and I'm over 40. And <laughs> so I wear a small reading power, which... No, uh, I would never <laughs> have thought that. <laughs> I would traditionally not even wear, at, you know, because I'm, I'm in my low 40s, so I'm not quite there, but I like the little bit of help, and I wear them on top of my contact lenses when I know I'm going to sit there and do a lot of work. So you kind of have to think of the 
this the way you would think of SPF or you, the way you would mm -hmm. think of sunglasses. If you're going outside for a little bit, we're not lathering ourselves with um, SPF or worrying about it. But when you know you're going to be out for a day, you're going to go to a soccer game, you're going to be at the beach, you prepare yourself from being exposed to a long term of intense light. And so the same way you have to think about this light that we're sitting 16, 20 inches from. I mean, think about it. 16, 20 inches from our face, we are looking, staring at a light. If I, hold a, if I held a lamp in front of you and say, why don't you stare at this all day, every day, five, six, seven, ten, nine, ten, and think that it's not going to cause some long-term effect of it. We're kidding ourselves. It's the same way that UV first came out. Everyone's like, really? And people are out there tanning and putting suntan, and the melanomas and cancers went up the roof. And now everybody is very conscious about SPF and sun. And kids are even more susceptible. Their pigment density is a lot less than adults. This is the same reason you put a lot of SPF on kids because they sunburn faster than you and I do. And so the same way the kids' pigment density in the back of the eye is not you know, strong enough to absorb this blue light. So you want to definitely protect kids. And they're going to be exposed to this 30 years more than you and I are going to be exposed to it. Mm. And that's a very important thing to understand what this long term would be. Like we'd go out in the sun. It's like not we don't see immediate damage. But if you went on the sun every single day, and you, that cumulative damage is what causes the cancers, what causes the melanomas. Mm. And so have you heard anecdotally um, that when people, like with your daughter mm -hmm. from patients, when they use the blue light eye protection, that it is more comfortable, that does make the, the, the reading and the, the looking at the computer more comfortable? That's really been the biggest surprise for me is um, I really developed this for the long-term effect. I really developed it. With, that was my original motivation. And the short-term relief that is giving patients has been a huge, pleasant surprise for me. You know, I'm getting patients coming back, and I'm getting the wow effect, and I've never gotten quite the wow effect besides being able to see clearly of any coding that I've ever prescribed before. And people will put them on and be like, oh, wow, this really does make it comfortable. And maybe Dr. Kaiser can speak on it since they're, you know, they purchase these for their patients. And yeah, yeah, we purchased them for our patients um, and the doctors and, and the physicians <laughs> that work there. So, um, yeah, we, we like them a lot. And, and that wow factor really does help um, because people, we, we trial them right there in the office and we have people, you know, try them on. They read their screen. And yeah, this looks more like uh, more like paper, which is huge for that group of people because my people, a lot of times their, their eyes don't work that well, and they, a lot of them can't read, they can't ride in the car. So, I mean, it's a huge help to be able to just have something be able to blunt that, that response. So it's a, it's a really, really helpful thing to get people back into school and back into the world. So, you know, the second segment of our show, we always talk a little bit about the relationship between our guests because we always have guests who know each other and are supporting each other in business. So, um, Dr. Kaiser, you want to tell us a little bit about how you met um, Dr. Jaglin? Yeah, I hunted her down. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is something we look for all the time because, you know, it's a big part of our patient population, that light sensitivity and the whole deal. And uh, I was searching on the Internet. What you find is largely... Uh, like a yellow tinted glasses, but it makes everybody look like they're going to the shooting range. You know what I mean? You, mm -hmm. It's a yellow glass. It's harder to wear in, in public, and people look at you a little funny. And it doesn't have any of the reflective element, which is which is not so good. So it filters some of the blue light, but it doesn't reflect any as well. So this is we, you know, by finding her, we found um, kind of a, a one-two punch. 
And did you know that you were looking for something to deal with blue light when you... I did. Okay. We were, yep, because we have the same problems with circadian rhythms and those hormonal effects, and that's all in the brain. And um, so I contacted her, sent a couple of patients... Well, not I sent them to the website to order some glasses and um, and then, you know, had a visit. And, and, you know, we had, I don't know, we had like 20, 20 or 30 doctors visiting because we have a teaching facility from around the world and poor Parveen got just, you know, she <laughs> swarmed. Got she got swarmed. Um, so there's, there's a huge market for what she does both in, uh, just everyday people, but also in, in my population and people that are, that are injured. But I, you know, I, I don't wear any kind of reading lens. I don't wear contacts. Um, and I wear them, I wear them through the day. So it's, it's a helpful thing. And, you know, I, I tell my patients just like you did, um, you know, people that, you know, if you go out in the sun, you, you wear sunscreen. If you're going to be in front of a, a screen for any period of time, then, then it's worth wearing a lens. And then we trial it right there. And if they like them, then, then we send them to get a pair. And so do you find that, that it makes reading easier? And does it take some strain off of your eyes? Have you found that? For sure. I, I don't like reading on the computer. I'm one of the few, but um, it makes it tolerable for me. Mm. So that's what I like about it. And so as you look out into the future, um, Dr. Jaglin, I mean, what is your... And anticipation for the adoption of of this I mean it seems like it would be something that a lot of people need yes so I think that eventually so in our world when people get prescription glasses or get glasses most people just get regular anti-reflective coatings and so I feel like blue light coating is sort of an anti-reflective coating but is targeted specifically for the blue light spectrum so I think it's going to be standard of care in all glasses. Mm-hmm. So people who traditionally get anti-reflective coatings will get anti-reflective coatings with a blue light protection. For the readily available reading glasses, reading glasses haven't changed since the inception of reading glasses. They've The frames have become fancier. You get expensive ones, cheaper ones, all greens and so forth. But now we have changed the way we use our eyes, you know, the world in terms of this light pollution that we're putting into our eyes constantly has changed. So I feel like our eyewear will have to change to meet that demand. So I see reading glasses becoming more of what we have, the technology that we have um, with some blue. If you have to wear reading glasses anyways, why wouldn't you wear reading glasses that have some value and protection to them? Mm. Especially because if you're not reading, if you're reading on books, it's fine. Go get whatever glasses from your doctor or, or the reading glasses. But if majority of your reading is done on digital devices and you have to wear some sort of magnifying power, why not wear something that actually helps you long term? Mm. And so I feel like it's going to become as important as sunglasses. You know, less than 5% of UV actually reaches the back of the eye. So we wear sunglasses to protect the front of our eyes and the lens inside our eye. Blue light goes all the way to the back of the eye. So we don't have, the lens absorbs a little bit, but majority of it goes to the back. And that's the engine. You know, that's what, what people need to understand is that, you know, yes, it also develops cataracts, the UV and blue light, but cataracts can be replaced. You know, we can, we do cataract surgery is one of the most common surgeries in the world. Mm. There's nothing, there isn't a solution for the back of the eye. And, and that's what we need to understand. And we are really need to kind of stop. And I mean, this has happened quicker than I think any of us anticipated that we were going to be infiltrated with these digital devices this quickly. The iPad got launched in 2010, to only 2010. I mean, wow. we're not even quite done with 2015. So if you really think about it, four and a half years, it's all it's been for the, for, 
for the iPad and think about how, I mean, we have probably four iPads in our home. I'm thinking that's pretty common. You can't even go to the airport now without ordering a menu from an iPad. Mm-hmm. It's just become a big part and, of our and life. And cell phone ad- adoption, I think, is at yes. like the 90, 99% level, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. And 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 we're and you have to understand the cell phones and the iPads become even closer to our face because they're handheld. And um, and so th- you know, and and it, and my you know kids are starting at a very young age. You know, I see you know third graders having cell phones and. They're sitting in my, and it's become the new babysitter. This is how you occupy your kid's time, is that when people, my, when my patients are sitting in the waiting area, they give the kids their iPhone or they bring an iPad to occupy the child while the mom's looking for glasses or getting, or the dad's looking for, you know, to get an eye exam. So it's become the new, you know, it, in cars, we used to have those little TVs. Well, now they're like, well, let's just take some couple of iPads. They can watch a movie while we're driving long distance. So it's just become a big part of that our life, and I think that um, so what I see is this just becoming standard of care. The one of the biggest questions I get is, well, why wouldn't you just do a screen protector? Why do we have to wear glasses? And that's a very excellent question. And the the reason is is that blue light is in the visible spectrum, unlike UV, which is in the invisible spectrum. So there's only two things you can really do to light. You can either reflect it or you absorb it. So absorbing it is the yellow tints, and that's traditionally where we started with blue light. So in order to do a screen protector, you would have to put a yellow filter in um, because it would sit right on the computer. So the, the light could absorb because you can't reflect something right on because the light source is coming from behind it, right? Mm. So where is the light going to go? And so when you put the yellow filters, you change the color perception. And yeah, I don't want a yellow screen. Because now, the, I mean, our phone, <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, our yellow screen. Doesn't, it's yeah, yeah nice. you hear like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> well, because the, you know, the, our, our phones are our cameras. Right. And um, majority of our shopping is done online now. And so if I'm looking for a blue dress, I want to make sure it's the blue color that I want. And so if you had a screen filter on there or a red dress, you want to make sure it's that same exact shade that it, you're looking for. So is that how I got tricked? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how come I ended up with an orange dress? Exactly. So <laughs> the filter is not bad because in the sense that it does the same thing, and it, meaning that we're diminishing the amount of light going to the back of the eye. But uh, it's not as user-friendly because it, it distorts the colors. And that's why even if you're wearing glasses that look like shooter glasses, you have some level of color distortion. And this is what we don't get with our BLEP glasses is that you're keeping the color intact. You're actually increasing the contrast, um, which is a big plus for us. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you, so you have a lot of benefit, benefits, but that's and why the screen And it appears clear, right? And the then glass. it appears, yes, yeah, exactly. It, it appears clear. Yeah. So Dr. Kaiser, as um, somebody who is you know, using the technology, do you think that it's going to be standard of care? I do. I, um, I think it's going to be just kind of a household type thing. I think it, you know, in the day and age that we live in, especially in, in our world, I see S- Stone drifting away from his computer over here just talking about <laughs> it. Um, Stone is the producer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's the producer, for those of you guys who don't know. Um, no, I think, it's, I think it's going to be part of everywhere, and I'm excited to see, I'm excited to see it penetrate that, that market and really just be able to help a whole lot of people. Um, I, don't think we, I don't think we know exactly what the benefits are yet, but I think that... Um, I think we're going to find out there are probably more benefits to it than we even realize now. Mm. And so you think that everybody who is looking at a computer screen for any length of time should be using some sort of blue light protection for their eyes? Absolutely, yeah. Wow. 
So that means, Parveen, that you should have a pretty, pretty huge market. We're, we're hoping, <laughs> we're hoping that it goes well. And I, I do want to stress, like, I'm not a, you know, I don't want to throw a lot of fear out there, but I think that it's important to think of it the way you would think about sunglasses and SPF. If you're checking a quick email, you don't mm -hmm. have to run and go get, put these glasses on. You know, if you're doing a quick thing, but if you know you're going to sit there for an hour plus and you're not going to move. You want to protect yourself. In the same way I wear my sunglasses. I'm, if I'm going outside to check the mail, I don't feel like I have to put my sunglasses on to walk to go check the mail. But if I know I'm going to be outdoors for a long period of time, I put sunglasses on because I know I'm going to be get exposed to this for a long period of time. And that's the same way you want to think about these blue light glasses. You know, I don't want people to freak out that every time they check their email that they need to put something on. I'm going to go blind <laughs> next week. <laughs> right, right. We, I, I don't want to throw that out there and, you know, and people are going to start freaking out. But if you know you're going to sit there and this is your job or this is what you do all day, you read a book. You know, I have a lot of patients that read on Kindle Fire or an iPad before they go to bed. And that's probably one of the worst times to do something like that. So if that's already something you've invested in, that's what you want to do, then then give yourself some protection while you do that. So you can keep, you know, we can diminish what we've created, right? So we've created this environment. And so we kind of have to do some control about it mm -hmm. in, in terms of protection for long term. And so as you, you know, you opened by saying that um, you're finding that a lot of corporations and in general, the, the, um, ethos around healthcare mm -hmm. is moving towards more pretend mm -hmm. pre wellness and prevention mm -hmm. um, rather than dealing with problems after they've arise. Um, do you see that, that this is, there's a potential market for like corporations or companies? Yes. That's my biggest um, target is, uh, is teenagers and the corporate world. And I really, w I'm hoping to be the next Fitbit for glasses in terms of prevention and healthcare. And you know, the reason they, a lot of corporates actually now give Fitbits out to all of their employees because they wanna encourage, they realize they sit there all day. So they wanna encourage them, say, hey, when you're not here, make sure that you're working out and moving your body around because they realize that sitting in one space, one time for hours at a time is not healthy. So we're hoping that our glasses is going to be the prevention in terms of eyes. And I think that the corporations are going to find that their employees are going to be a lot more productive. You know, if you can diminish digital eye strain, which reduces production, which because these, I don't think people realize, my number one complaint when I, you know, my office is, in, in a corporate setting where I get a lot of people who are sitting in front of computers, my number one complaint is computers. You know, uh, everyone comes like, these, these computers are going to kill me, Dr. Jaglin. You know, I know my eyes have gotten worse because they f physically feel the symptoms of just the strain. I mean, the human eye is not supposed to sit there and stare into light in long periods of time. And so... I think that that is going to be the biggest thing is that I think once corporations realize like, hey, look, we can increase production because people are going to feel a lot more comfortable. I'm hoping that that a lot of corporations, a lot of corporations are going to be on board of um, at least um, subsidizing or helping, you know, a lot of their employees get a product like this. Mm -hmm. Are you expecting or... Do you expect anything associated with the Affordable Care Act, or how is the Affordable Care Act affecting your practice? Um, it, it hasn't quite, on my end, affected it too much. Um, I'm finding that maybe a lot of people have um, their deductibles are higher, um, and so not a lot of um, patients have flex spending. And so our product is 
eligible for flex spending or health savings account. So over-the-counter readers or prevention is part of the health savings account. So this would be covered under your health savings account. So people's health savings accounts have become a lot bigger because their deductibles have gone from being $200 to $2,000. And so now they bridge that by having a health savings account and they realize that they didn't use their entire health savings account and they feel like they need to use it before they lose it kind of thing. And so our product fits into that category of being able to use something like this for for um, for the health savings account. Mm. And what it, what's the the price point for seventy nine, which I think is um, the biggest. I wanted this to be affordable for majority of. Uh, that's the, not the for the prescription ones, obviously. That's not for the prescription ones. We are working into that now. We just got. We were just issued our patent um, less than a month ago. Now, Congratulations! Thank you, thank you. Which is is a, it provisional or? Uh, nope, I'm fully patented. Oh yes. wow! Yeah, okay. that is. A big deal. It is huge. Yeah, I was told that that would be possible. You have the corner on a market that for that millions and millions and millions of people mm -hmm. need. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> now that we are patented, <laughs> we are now um, targeting the large manufacturers to license this for RX because um, for some of uh, Dr. Kaiser's patients that definitely have a special need, I provide the RX, but it just it's very expensive because I have to individually do each one. And also, um, you know, it takes me a long time to get it, you know, where the reader, the readers and the planos, I can make a lot of them at the same time. That's why I can make them affordable. And so we, and we did a lot of research, not only on the lenses, but I did a lot of research on the frames. You know, I've been an optometrist for 19 plus years. And so I thought about all the complaints people have about their frames, um, the imprints on their nose, the nose pads getting lost, they're too heavy. And so I realized that these glasses are going to be worn for hours at a time. So our material on our plastic on our frame is a special material called Ultim, which gets used in airplanes because they're extremely durable, but they're very, very lightweight. So they don't cause that heaviness on your nose and and have that imprint but they're chemical resistant temperature resistant so they don't warp over time you know i locked in the screws i mean we're in 2015 why are we worrying about screws in this day and age and i hate that my staff has to spend time tightening screws or people come in and say i lost my screw so i'm like let's <laughs> just lock those things in that's <laughs> one thing less that you have to worry about and so because i know that people are going to take these off and on and off and on so you want these to be durable and so we've we found that to be a huge plus that the fact that they're very comfortable on, you know, on patients and especially with somebody who's never worn a prescription. Now you have to wear glasses. You definitely want to make sure that's a comfortable pair mm -hmm. of glasses. Very good. Very yeah. good. All right. So, um, you know, if uh, somebody wants to get a pair of, uh, of blep glasses, where can they get them? So we are at, um, blep eyewear.com. So www.blepbleepiwear.com. Okay. And where's your, where's your, um, my office is yeah. in Smyrna, um, off of um, Cup Parkway. Uh, we have a private, it was 20, 2430 Herodian Way, Suite 200. Um, I w practice under Eye Associates of Smyrna. Um, that is the name of my practice. Okay. And so. And can they, can people come by? And yeah, of course. Visit we you? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And pick up a pair if they want them? That's right. We can, we sell them in our office. And, um, and Dr. Kaiser's practice actually is not too far from our, um, so if you have any, history of brain injuries and you thought that this was it and you have to just suffer, they have some very, very, very innovative 
tools there, a lot of fun toys there to help um, patients recover. And, you know, I when I went there, I got bombarded by all these different patients. And, and, you know, I took them to the side. I'm like, is this really helping you guys? And they're like, yeah, they were traveling all the way from Denver and San Francisco and so forth. So well, with a month, um, month couple month long waiting list, I, I imagine, that, you know, it must be pretty great. So, I mean, is there anything new that's happening at the Carrick Institute that you, you want to let listeners know about Dr. Kaiser? Oh, this is more about the eyewear than anything, but um, yeah, I mean, we're we're here. I mean, it's we're we happen to be in Atlanta, which is a really great deal, and um, you know, so if if anybody's out there and needs the help, then we are absolutely able to help. But um, more importantly, is we're we're just worried about help helping to teach more people, so we can make it available, so that people don't have to travel such distances to be here, but we can make it available at their doorstep. So um, our biggest push right now is to is to continue to to bring people into our fold and teach them and get physicians on board and, and go that way. So that's really what, what we're doing right now. And if people want to find out more about the Carrick Institute, how can they do that? The best place is at carrickinstitute.com. Carrick is spelled C-A-R-R-I-C-K and then institute. And then there's a dot com at the end. <laughs> yeah, that's very, very good. Well, um, thank you so much for being with us this morning, Dr. Kaiser and Dr. Jaglin. Thank you. So thank much. you. This was great. This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at AnonaEnterprises.com.